This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. You're listening to Living Green. I'm your host, Meredith Medlin Fassine, and my mission is to inspire everybody I meet by creating community, deepening our levels of intimacy, and connecting you to people who I think can make a difference in your life. In today's show, you'll meet certified Anusara yoga teacher, Amy Apoliti. If you happen to have a copy of the January 2011 Yoga Journal magazine, you'll see her face on the cover. Amy has made an enormous impact by connecting yoga teachers through her webinar, 90 Minutes to Change the World. In this episode, you'll hear why the 90 Minutes to Change the World webinar is a must register for local 90-minute yoga teachers. You'll also learn how a weekly practice can fuel the life of every student and every yoga teacher. In addition, Amy is going to tell a revealing, sweet, and very funny story about how she experienced instant recognition of her current teacher, John Friend, when they met in 1998 at a yoga conference where she was so inspired when she heard him speaking about opening to grace. We'll also talk about the meaning and the history of the Anusara invocation, as well as hear the closing of the show by Amy chanting the Anusara invocation. Amy travels extensively to help others bridge the gap between ancient yoga wisdom and modern life. She's been certified since 2000, and she is an advocate of the environment and continues to inspire lots of people to lead even more meaningful lives. We're going to get Amy on the line in just a moment, but before we do that, I've got great news. If you're looking for some new yoga clothes, inspiring yoga videos, or a fun reading in an interactive blog, I've got an idea for you. You can support this show by supporting Drishti.com. Drishti is an online yoga store owned by nationally recognized yoga teacher Jenny Rawlings. In fact, they also have a physical location located in Santa Barbara. Today, Drishti is offering you 15% off your order when you type in the discount code ANYUSARA. So just go to drishti.com, type in the word ANYUSARA, and you'll have 15% off your order. And more importantly, you'll support content like this continuing to be free via iTunes and the web. Now, if you own an iPhone, it gets even better because Drishti has an iPhone app designed to help you connect English and Sanskrit names of each yoga pose. This fun and interactive iPhone app gives you a chance to take quizzes and increase your yoga learning. For more information on this offer and other offers, just go to the show notes to this show by visiting everybodyinspired.com. When you do that, just click on Living Green and you'll find this show. Okay, now it's time for our guest, Amy Apolity. If you'd like to learn more about Amy, you can visit her website right now while we're speaking, and that's amyapolity.com. It's A-M-Y-I-P-P-O-L. 
L-I-T-I. And now it's your turn to meet Amy. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Meredith. Well, it's been a huge pleasure to be present on your webinar and to learn about the things that you're talking to all sorts of yoga teachers about. You have, is it about 85 participants in your webinar? Is that right? Actually, we have um, 211. Oh, my goodness. 211 participants. Fantastic. We do. So that's, that's very exciting. So tell us a little bit about the webinar and how you got the idea and some of the content that you've been discussing. Well, I had the idea because of all the travel that I do. I go around and listen many times to the local teachers who are either hosting me or they're coming to the workshops. And I, one of the things I love to do is stay with the people that are hosting me and go out to dinner with everybody during the workshop and just sort of get a sense and a pulse of what's happening in their local area. And more and more as I was traveling, I was hearing um, teachers just basically sharing that they felt, uh, one, that they didn't have any role models to show them how a 90-minute or a 75-minute yoga class was taught because all, they, like, all the basically like senior teachers in their area were out traveling on the road giving yoga workshops somewhere else. So they never had really a model to show them how that format of a 90-minute class was, you know, how you really do it and do it really skillfully and in ways that, that keep students interested and wanting to come back and really be a regular student. And so it was hard for them, they felt, to build followings that were really successful. And the other thing is that they sort of felt like chopped liver, like, you know, why is the, there's so much glamour in, in sort of like the national or international visiting teacher, but we're just sort of like sitting here not really feeling that appreciated many times. And so I did a lot of thinking about it and realized that I was actually contributing to that by being a teacher that now travels and goes all over the world to teach, that I wasn't really either serving my local community with 90-minute classes. It's not something that I can do in a, in a you know, a way that has integrity because I'm always leaving. <laughs> so, but yet I've taught 90-minute classes for almost a decade. I was doing that um, both in New York City and also in Colorado when I first moved here. So it, it occurred to me that I could potentially offer something along those lines, not only from a really fabulous teaching perspective, but also from kind of the business side of how do you really run a local yoga business? How do you really do that? It's something I did for years. So I thought this is something that's needed, and if I can step up and, and help share from a place of experience with that, then I would love to figure out a way to do that, and decided that online was perfect as a way of reaching a lot of teachers and really from all over the world. So that was how it all kind of came to be. And the content, what? that's a whole other story, but yeah. <laughs> <That's> a, well, <laughs> It's, you know, it's amazing how successful things can be when you find a need and serve the need. And I think that's you know, really what you've done. It's, it's amazing to listen to everyone's questions and to watch the way that you're using your Facebook page to ask questions and create community and have people participate and take coaching calls in, adv in advance. I mean, there's a, a really extraordinary amount of content that you're presenting that's just outside of the two times a week for an hour-long call. How many, 
people are connecting with you outside the call and making coaching requests? I would say I would say about um, 30% of the group. I mean, we'll see what happens this week. We're in the midst of it right now, but 30% of the group um, has reached out uh, to make coaching requests specific to their situation. However, there's also, like you mentioned, we have a Facebook group where uh, many people are, are reaching out to each other and getting a lot of feedback, uh, not only from me, but from, from the other participants in the program. I also have my sister who monitors the um, Facebook group because she's a, she has an MBA in business. And so, and so she's been interacting with all of the, the folks on Facebook as well in our, in our program. And so and I think in the future we'll bring more experts in to monitor the Facebook page. It just never even occurred to me that that would be so successful and exciting too, that everyone is using each other as resources, which is what a community is supposed to be for, is to, is to network and really um, you know, when, when one person has <clears throat> something to offer or wisdom or experience, they offer it to the other and vice versa. So there's a lot of power in that as well. I think one of the things that really comes through in the webinar is that that's something you've learned how to do is when you need to learn something, you know how to find the next person to assist you and to really take on that information. And, and that seems to be what you're actually teaching more than anything in the webinar is how to ask the, the next question, the next content appropriate question. So thank you for that. Yeah. One of the things I think, I think that's also amazing about this contribution, and I really want to appreciate you for it, is it's not like you're coming into this seminar with a background in business and you just kind of transitioned over to yoga and that's how things happened. Your background is actually in yoga and you've had to teach all these things um, to yourself and then teach them to others, right? Yeah, there's, I mean, I definitely don't have any formal background in, in business or managing, you know, managing revenue or anything like that. Um, but I, I've always had sort of a movement and artistic background. Um, and of course, yoga has been my life since I was 16 years old. So <laughs> I mean, I basically a few years ago went, I am clueless in this department. And here I am making a living as a yoga teacher and, and having a ball and, and enjoying myself so much, but I have to think about my future. I have to think about how to pay off debt and all the sort of things that happen from being a householder and being a, you know, living in the world. You've got to know how to do that stuff, and I don't think that that's beyond yoga. That's the funny part is that people think, well, yoga should have nothing to do with, you know, these material things. It's like actually – you know, being skilled at all aspects of life to me is yoga. And so when I was seeing that, that real weakness in my background or the weakness in my understanding of how to do those things, I started to get educated and I started to teach myself but also take seminars, read books, and really learn about it so that I could help. And I was seeing so many of my friends also struggling in the community who were teaching yoga that it broke my heart, really. And so that's when I said, I've got to get good at this so I can help others. And, and it's been a three or four year, maybe five year process for me. And I finally feel this year that I was ready to share what I've learned in the context of being a yoga teacher who's kind of clueless, you know, um, and, and share that with others. And so it's very 
um, dear to me, the subject, and it's also um, exciting because that, that dream is really finally becoming a reality, and now I'm seeing that it's helping um, so many people. We're really having a great time doing it too. Mm-hmm. It's lots of, yeah. lots, of, <laughs> lots, of, lots of fun, and I want to make sure that you know, our listeners recognize too that my background is in Internet marketing, so I made the transition over to health and wellness about eight years ago, and I still supplement my income doing Internet marketing for you know, like Massage Envy and other health and wellness clients for their Facebook and social media and things like that. And so what I, what I want to say as sort of an expert in that industry is that it's, it's awesome to listen to the feedback that you're giving to the people in the webinar because it's so tangible and so real. And a lot of the oh, advice that I sometimes hear from other people that are uh, just professionals in the Internet marketing area, although it's excellent, is not necessarily uh, targeted in such a way that a yoga teacher could use it so effectively. And I think that that's one thing that's really unique about the webinar and one of the reasons I also wanted to participate is to get a sense of you know, how, how is that content being put out into the field of yoga teachers. And I really think that you're, you're leading the way in that. And I haven't seen anything that's being done in such a, a fun and simple um, way yet so far. So thanks for doing that. Oh, thank you. And we love having you in the webinar. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I want to make sure the listeners also know about is that there are going to be more webinars coming up. So if you're interested, you can definitely go to Amy's website and learn a little bit more about when the next one is uh, coming about. But here's some important elements that you need to know. The first is that Amy's presenting slides during the webinar as well. She's also using the ability to raise hands or take hands down when questions are being asked, as well as interact on the web via Facebook, whether it's her, her page or whether it's the closed group. And so all of these components make the webinar different than just dialing into you know, Amy talking blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, there's really an interactivity, and you also are able to unmute callers and take their questions as well. And you've done a great job at fielding 30% you know, of the people writing uh, coaching calls in is quite a lot. How, how much in the background that we're not listening to on the webinar is happening you know, for you? How, how much uh, interaction are you having with people? Well, we have a number of people who um, are writing by email um, because you know, for whatever reason they were unable to get um, their coaching requests answered or they felt like it was private. So they didn't, you know, they didn't want everybody on the webinar to know what they were going through. So I've had a few um, email interactions in that sense. Um, we also have, you know, of course, the Facebook group people post questions, and I like to get in there and monitor it and um, answer you know, anything that I can. Many times somebody else beats me to it. But um, if I have something in particular to say, I will respond in that sense. And then we also have the coaching requests, and I generally look at those um, as they are coming in, but basically the day of the coaching call, which is on Thursdays, we, I go through every single one and make sure it is pertinent to what the, you know, the lesson of the week, and then answer those questions. Sometimes I group them because people ask the same question, generally the same question. 
And then, of course, we have a lot that goes on behind the scenes on an administrative level for this course, um, having that many people. Um, we, have pe we have to approve people into the group, and <laughs> that's quite a process. We approve people into the webinar. So my team um, has been working so hard to, to really make this program um, succeed and really be there for everybody. So, and then the other thing that I've been doing, and this is, it seems really, um, it seems really fun, but it's actually been incredibly informative. Is I have made a commitment to go to five um, public yoga classes a week, so local yoga classes a week. So I've been going to all different studios in the Boulder and Denver area, including um, you know the Yoga Workshop, Richard Freeman's place, Om Time Yoga, uh, Core Power, Yoga Pod, and I've been going to all the different studios and taking classes with local teachers. So that's been so my schedule. You you wouldn't believe it. I've been home all month, but but I'm pretty much preparing the lesson plans for the for the webinar, um, looking at coaching, monitoring the Facebook, and going to yoga. Like that's my life right now. <laughs> I go to yoga, and I like get excited about the course. And we also had a live training this past weekend. So we had a teacher training specifically about teaching local classes and how to do it really well and how to time classes so that everybody's getting a really well-rounded practice. And we had and I also modeled three different 90-minute classes. So I would say I'm living, breathing and sleeping the stuff all month and it's just been so so extraordinary to wake up to what really is going on around the planet is like local classes are what are making the yoga world tick if you ask me. Because I've been, I've been so inundated in it. And I have to say, teaching the three classes that I did, I had a blast. And I was mm. so jealous of all the, all the people that get to teach local classes now. I'm like actually jealous because Aww. it was so fun. It was really fun, and I missed it. It made me really miss and feel nostalgic for the times that I got to do that. And I still adore teaching workshops and traveling and you know, meeting new communities and connecting with new communities. I absolutely love it. And I think there, there's still obviously a demand and a, a, a deep, you know, reason for us to have that kind of, um, you know, that kind of workshop format is definitely necessary. And one is not better than the other. They're both important. But um, it definitely really, really warmed my heart to be able to do it again. So mm. in the 90-minute format, so yeah. And the, feed, the feedback was incredible. Everybody has been really, was really excited uh, to be there and, and good news on that. And that's a, a, great, a great portion of what you're doing in the webinars as well. The thing that you said that is exciting that I didn't know is that you've been doing the practice and going to these classes. And it brought a big smile to my face because one of the things that has changed in my life from participating in the webinar is I realized that in my own teaching of yoga that I've been slightly focused, well, a lot more focused on teaching, reading books about teaching or learning about teaching or thinking about how a class should be taught and less about my own practice. And so mm. since the webinar started, I've been doing anywhere from three to five classes, 90-minute classes as well in our community to take a look at the different styles of yoga and just notice the differences and feeling 
just like I want to be more educated on what's out there and why different styles are what and what, what's really true to my heart. And I'm curious if I, I've been having great awakenings from putting myself in the student position so frequently and making that the leading point of my life as opposed to uh, whether it's the business of yoga or my own teaching of yoga or the students, but number one, being in practice is my number one priority. What's that like for you to have that much time spent with your, you know, your inner guidance and being in those classes on your own? Well, first I want to say that I'm really psyched that you're doing that because that is one of the, one of the key things that, that we teach in this webinar is that you want to maintain a practice um, and go to other 90-minute teachers' classes so that you're, you're um, constantly inspired and, and you're fueled by that which you're doing every day, which is going to yoga. So if that's what you're teaching, you want to be doing it. You, know, you want to be walking the walk, so to speak. And, so, and also there's so much that happens when we support one another in taking each other's classes um, for our own yoga careers, that exposure and that camaraderie and that unity that people, um, when they see yoga teachers supporting each other, it's, just, it's a good vibe all around. Um, so I'm really happy that you took that on as part of the training, first and foremost. And then <clears throat> for me, you know, it's just been, um, I think, really wonderful to, like you said, go to different yoga classes of different styles and different schools because ultimately I think that we all want to connect and we all want to um, be harmonious as a global yoga community. And I think that the way that we do that is we get into each other's energy and we, we show up in a sense. We don't like put up a wall and go like, well, you're from a different school and so I'm not going to even go near you. I'm not going to ever go to your class. We actually grow and expand when we can connect with each other and there's more harmony in that way. And so this month has been, it's really been healing for me in a lot of ways because I'm getting to know my local yogis from all different backgrounds and schools of yoga, and I'm loving that. I'll always have Anasari Yoga in my heart. That will always be my main practice, and I would encourage people as you're going around to different styles and stuff, you might be searching for what style is for you. I do recommend, it's like one of my things, I recommend like you stick to one. However, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you can't on occasion go to a different styles class and, and be respectful and, and listen and just hear what they have to say. So I think for me, like to progress in my own practice, I needed to actually focus on one school. And I really did progress because I just didn't have any conflicting information coming in. So there was a period where I was just like tunnel vision on Osara Yoga. Um, but now that I'm much, you know, of course I've been doing that for, you know, 13 years or something I've been doing on Asara, it's not, like that's in me. It's in my heart. There's no way I'm ever going to really practice a different form of yoga. However, I can go to another class and try stuff. It's not going to change anything. It's not going to make me conflicted as a yoga teacher or a practitioner, if that makes sense. I think many years ago it would have. And I, when I was in that experimental stage, I was conflicted. But now it's, it's actually enriching to me. It's like, oh, wow, check out that yoga pose that this school of yoga is doing and how they did it, how they got into it. And it's, it's, it adds to something that I already have, if that makes sense. 
Definitely. Yeah, it's just like find the balance between like stay with the method that really works for you, but then don't be a stranger to other schools or other teachers. Be, you know, harmonious and get get into each other's vibe. Mm Mm-hmm. I uh, well, I I think that that if there was one takeaway for me that that has been the most astounding change is to view the classes that I've been going to from the framework that you've given us in the webinar, mm-hmm. and I, I was I, I actually was headed into a level three class, and the class generally sells out and it's kind of full and it's you know the mats are one inch away from each other kind of thing, and if I if I waited another two hours and I was able to go to the class after it. Well, it happened to be an intro to yoga and a level one class. And I really like the, the instructor and I've always wanted to, you know, spend a little more time in her classes. And I thought, oh, I'll go to that class. And I, for whatever reason, the good news on that day is I was happy to be, be, be a beginner. So something that wouldn't always be my experience. But on that day, I was very happy to just be there. And it felt like the you know, the sort of goal that I was achieving was just to make sure that I was getting in the practice, which was being really directed by my experience in the webinar. And what was extraordinary is I learned more in that class than I've learned probably since I was, you know, at the Esalen conference in, in last summer with, you know, MC Yogi and Douglas Brooks and that whole crew. I mean, it was really, it was an extraordinary <laughs> experience. And I just That's cracked amazing. up and thought, wow, like, isn't it neat to be a yoga student? <laughs> As if it was sort of this novel idea. And because her system is outside of anything that I study, and it was just so unique. So, um, awesome. it, you know, it's just been really neat. So that, that's been a great gift. And I think that um, the last piece just to mention in regard to the webinar is that you also are using a hub and asking people to do homework. And so it's really, um, you know, it's really an immersion of sorts in school. So thank you for making that contribution. Let's get started with the basics. Uh, What is it? Why do you practice? And tell us a little bit more about how you met John Friend. Okay. Well, Anasara Yoga is, um, it's very distinct in that it combines the sort of artistic expression of the heart, so that which you want to express through your body with biomechanical alignment principles. So it's sort of like, I always liken it to um, if you ever go to a music concert and you see a musician up on stage who's incredibly technical uh, with their instrument, but you don't really feel much of a um, sort of emotional or artistic expression coming through the instrument. It's just kind of dry, um, as opposed to someone who is, they've got all this heart and soul, but they don't know how to play their instrument. (laughs) And you can tell that they mean it so much and they really want to express, but like they, it's like they just don't have the skills, you know. And so the best musicians are the ones who have the chops and have the you know the technique, but they also have this amazing soulful thing that they want to express, and it's the kind of that, that, that synergy of that thing coming together or those two things coming together um, makes you almost like want to stand up in your seat and like just stand to listen to the music. Like you get so riveted. And that, that quality of ecstatic expression is, is kind of how I think of Anusara is that you get so skilled at knowing how your body stacks up and how it aligns but then you, you have this channel through which you can really, really offer 
who you are and the authenticity of who you are through your yoga and through your practice. And it's an art form because you're constantly learning the technique and how to get better at the technique and have the chops, but you're also getting softer and more able to express yourself and more able to open and to, to articulate um, who you really are and express who you really are in the world. So it's an it's a extraordinary practice of becoming a, a more outrageous human being. So that's <laughs> what Anasara is to me. <laughs> Woohoo! Yay. I'm all for outrageous. Then, yeah, I, I, it's just amazing to me how um, the folks in, in my community and, and just myself, like how much we've all expanded over the last 13 years as people, and we just get more and more beautiful. And um, as we are faced with life's challenges and difficulties and darkness, the way we're able to skillfully respond to those things um, in a really amazing way and, and quicker. Like we get over the heartbreaks a lot faster. You know, it's not that they don't happen or we deny them. It's like you get through them a lot with much more grace, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that's what Anasara is to me. And I met John in 1998, at the very, very beginning of 1998, um, I was just recently, um, I had just started teaching yoga within the last year. And when I graduated from my teacher training, it was like, I don't know, like eight months prior, I saw a brochure for a conference in um, New Mexico. It was the Southwest Yoga Conference. And I saw this brochure and, and um, I was like, oh my God, I so want to go to New Mexico and I so want to finally go to a yoga conference. I've never been to one and I've always, you know, I practically did this teacher training so that I could be someone who could go to yoga conferences. <laughs> um, and so I went and I didn't sign up for John because I didn't know who he was because he hadn't really written any books or done any videos that were like, had big distribution I'd never heard of him. So I didn't sign up for him. I only signed up for the people that did books and videos, like Patricia Walden and Rodney Yee. That's who I signed up for. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> that's a good that's a good uh, thing to highlight, I think, for people attending <laughs> yoga conferences that, that right. there are, there are gems, you know, out there. Right. Yes, that haven't exactly. done videos or whatever. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny, John actually had some videos out, but he de- he was. He was like distributing them himself, so it didn't have mm-hmm. large reach, so I didn't know about it. But anyway, some New Yorkers that I had run into at the conference um, invited me to lunch, and we were out at lunch, and they were absolutely gaga, raving over John Friend. And I was like, I saw that name on the roster, and I didn't know who he was. And they were like, oh, it was the best workshop in the whole conference. You've got you know, to try to get in, da, da, da. So I actually snuck in past the door monitor. I like, <laughs> I, I decided not to go to the Rodney Yee class, and I, I um, snuck past the door monitor and like acted like I belonged and sat down right in the front row. And you know, I loved all the classes I had taken up until that point. But when I sat down to listen to John, I think he said, you know, his opening line, you know, was something about like open to grace. You know, <laughs> I don't know which is also our first principle, but he started talking about grace. And the minute he even made his first sentence, um, I just had a tear come down my face mm-hmm. because I was, there was like a recognition, like this is who I'm meant to study with. And I had actually gone there looking for a teacher. And you know, I thought, have I found one yet? I went to all these different workshops. And 
it was, like I said, amazing. I learned so much. But there was just this instant recognition, like I found the teacher I was looking for. And um, pretty much followed him around like a little puppy the entire class. And then after the class, started getting on airplanes to do the same. So that was my <laughs> beginnings with Anusara Yoga. Isn't that neat? That's great. I, I used to live in Mill Valley, California, and mm. I was teaching there and taking classes at the yoga studio Mill Valley, and one of my teacher trainings was with a woman named Maritza, and she was talking about this new yoga of, of the heart called Anusara, and she had an accent, and she was really unusual, and John taught in the room her. next door. Do you know her? Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, good, great. And, um, and John, you know, was kind of co-teaching, and he came in and did his thing. And it was just, it's just funny to me now because I was so inspired then, but I didn't know that there were so many different styles of yoga. I just didn't know what I didn't know. I was just going to the yoga studio of Mill Valley, and that was, that was mm -hmm. enough for me. And, and then as the years continued, it's, it's just been really neat how that heart space has developed and um, I have his uh, teacher training DVDs, which I highly recommend to anybody. This feels like you're right, right there in the audience as well. And so it's, it's just really exciting. I, I think that this, the thing that you said that's most beautiful is that recognition of a teacher that you mm -hmm. experienced, as well as really listening to your heart and letting your, your heart uh, lead the way in the process of your that's yoga beautiful. experience. Yeah, so. thank you. Yeah. What, your path was a little bit different in your certification because you were certified so many years ago. But were, did you still have to do things like read books and write reports and class, uh, observe classes? Was that part of your training? Yeah. I mean, I think that all of that is still the same for those who want to go through Anasara certification. You know, everything that I did, people still have to do. I think where it's different now is that uh, you need to have more hours with um, certified Anasara teachers and with John. Um, the, the amount of hours has increased. And the other thing is that we're much, much stricter about video evaluations now. So we don't let people get off the hook as easily as, as we did in the days of, of my, you know, my time getting certified. However, I, I was um, fortunate enough to spend countless hours on the road with John Friend um, when I was much younger and I was um, basically assisting him and assisting at conferences. And then we would practice together in these very intimate groups. So in a, a lot of ways I have tons of hours now and I always did have probably more than the average. Like I was not skimping on my hours when I got certified. I had probably as many as you know, the average person needs right now to go through certification process. Um, but I also had that incredibly intimate contact with John in terms of practicing with like, you know, five people and John. It was like that kind of thing. And um, just learning on the road and in the moment in a class with John, there's nothing more, um, God, I mean, accelerated in terms of learning than being an assistant. And, you know, those who've assisted me, um, I see their teaching really go to another level when they can sort of be that close. So I think you know, even though the, 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 the certification process was a lot less stricter when I went through it, in a way I was, it was different because I was just in that 
it was very strict because if John came over and my section wasn't perfectly aligned, I heard about it. You know, so I had my own <laughs> level of um, you know, scrutiny in that way and it really, really made me a phenomenal observer. And um, I feel like it's really shifted my teaching to have had that, that closeness all those years. So, mm. And, and I, I, I do my best to pass that on. You know. That's what I was going to say is that one of the things mm-hmm. that you've really done with all that experience and connection and intimate practice with John and the Anyasara system is your, really your gift that you're giving right now is training teachers on how to teach more effectively as well as help them come to the place in their classes where they can submit a video to be certified as an Anyasara teacher and that it passes and meets the criteria of you know, really helping the students gain deeper insight into themselves and creating a theme and having mm-hmm. safety created in the class and, and that kind of thing. So I'd love to talk to you a little bit that, about that element for a, a moment. What are you seeing uh, in the videos that you're reviewing and what, what do you think are the places where Anusara teachers in particular can continue to expand? Where is there the next level of growth available? Well, there's, I think there's two areas. Um, one is sort of the standard, you know, there are basically like 11 different things that make up an Anusara class and a certified teacher needs to be skilled in all of those 11 areas in order to teach a class that would pass for certification. So it isn't like you'll see any one thing in a video that is not you know, certifiable. It really depends on the teacher and what they're most skilled at. So sometimes I'll see um, you know, people just simply not observing uh, what the students are doing and whether their foundation is aligned properly and that sort of thing. Um, sometimes you'll see uh, like a kind of a soggy theme where the theme isn't really clear or they're not weaving the theme um, throughout the class so that you're only getting it in the beginning and at the end instead of all throughout. Um, one of the things you probably see the most often or I see the most often is um, we have a thing where we always want to kind of convey to the, to the students like, so what? Like why is this important? Um, why is this theme important? And, and what is, what's at stake for you all in this theme? Like how is this going to affect your lives in a positive way? And how is it going to affect the world in a positive way? And so the teacher will give a, a theme, but it doesn't have that larger context. And so if they don't do that, they don't get certified. Um, so I see that very often. But anyway, those are examples of many of the things that we we look for in a certified teacher, you know, down to hands-on adjustments and being able to articulate um, Anasara's principles and all these things. But I think one of the things that besides all of that that I love to help people refine um, when they take Anasara Level 1 and Level, <clears throat> level 2 modules of teacher training with me, um, the thing that I'm focused on now is is this whole 90-minute thing. Like, because I think that the Anusara teachers, in the, when you look at the market of sort of local yoga, and you think, well, there's going to be teachers who teach workshops in Anusara yoga, but there's going to be teachers who teach local classes that are only you know, 75 to 90 minutes in length. And how do you really convey such a sophisticated system of yoga in such a short period of time? And how do you convey that when most of your models 
of Anasara Yoga have been workshop teachers where you've had three hours sure, you know, yeah. of, of time with that teacher. How do you then condense that down into 90 minutes? And so I think that um, oftentimes in the local scene, Anasara Yoga, and this isn't true of everywhere, but it's, I've seen it a lot, Anasara Yoga tends to um, not have those sort of packed, unbelievable 90-minute classes where you're like, you can't get a mat space. And again, this is a generalization. It's, it's not like <laughs> a, a universal truth. There are plenty of packed Anasara classes that are local. But what I was seeing is that you know, you'll see more of like vinyasa classes or flow classes really packed. And I was trying to think like, why is that when Anasara so totally rocks? And it's not that vinyasa doesn't rock. It's just that like, why is it that, that there's this unbelievable need or desire to go to a flow class versus an Anasara class in any given community? And I realized that it was largely because we're not modeling how to condense into 90 minutes. That's one reason. And so then what happens is people come to class to Anusara and there's a lot of theory and there's a lot of talking and there's a lot of like kind of headiness, like getting into alignment detail and philosophical detail. And many of these students, like they'd love to do that at a weekend workshop. But in terms of like I need to get my yoga on, I got to like get my workout, I need to like feel that like yoga love, (laughs) so I can go home and deal with my screaming children and my, you know, whatever, my job and this and that. So when I look at like what would really serve the students is not that we get them, you know, every single chaturanga perfect or every single, you know, every single person in the room understanding what, you know, chidananda means or whatever, but it's like can we get them a basic understanding and have them feel really good about themselves and get a totally balanced practice or workout in that isn't too talkative, that isn't too much sitting around, isn't too much, you know, too many demonstrations and that sort of thing. And I think where I see uh, a lot of Anasara teachers like where they could improve is knowing the difference, like knowing how to really offer to the students that are coming on a local kind of daily basis and know how to be versatile in a workshop and really skillful in presenting the principles and the philosophy in a really refined way. So that's my, my goal really is like that we get Anasara on a local level much more um, respected and much more desired in a way. Um, and, then in, in a, you know, and then of course get, you know, get uh, teachers certified in ways where they could lead a workshop or an intensive of some kind and really be able to break down the method in ways that the student gets it immediately and you have instant, you know, like, wow, she gets it. She's an Anasara student now. Or he's, he's totally in it now. He gets it. Um, and you can't do that so well in one 90-minute class. You just can't. But over time you could over repetition of somebody coming two to three times a week, yeah, you'll get them on the next chaturanga. You'll get them on the next downward dog. You know, it doesn't have to be the be-all, end-all. That's my job. <laughs> when, you know, teaching internationally, it's like I come in and I want every single person in the room after the weekend, 12 hours together, 10 hours together, yeah, I want you to get something. You know, and then I leave and I hope that you got it. But if I was teaching that you know, group locally, I wouldn't be so, I wouldn't have as much time, so how could I? 
so anyway, that's that's sort of um, where I see training really going for us in this in this method in particular. Well, I feel really aligned with what you're saying as well as inspired that that's what you're noticing, and of course that's what your webinars are about, and that's what you've been doing is taking that on and. I want to echo a couple of those things. I mean, one, the, the first is, is that one of the things I love about Anusara as both a teacher and a practitioner, although I'm not a certified Anusara teacher, is, um, is the consistency in the format. So my background is as a sensei in martial arts, and there's obviously a, a very strict format, and my master taught me that, and that's just the way that, that's just the way that you teach um, for safety and, uh, you know, spirituality and so many so many reasons. And so when I first recognized that the Anusara format, that the mats were always aligned and there was a, an opening and every class had a theme and it did five principles of universal alignment. Where, I mean, it was just like, wow, there's so much right, here. Right, system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that creates stability for me and reliability. And so that really allows my creative spirit and the you know, creative parts of my brain to be able to run wild, but know that they can always come back to sit into the seat of Anusara. And that's, right. for me, cur- currently where I am, that's where the peace and the, the love is with the, with the practice and the system. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I find really interesting, thank you, I mean, I get try to jump over those warm feelings of, ah! <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay. <laughs> but anyway, that's where the, the love and passion is. What I've noticed, though, is in Santa Barbara, we have two Anusara-inspired teachers. There's no Anusara here in this area other than in L.A., which is about two hours. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that I've noticed that in some cases, an Anusara-inspired class that I've attended doesn't always follow the format, and that that is really a prerequisite. And I think that's one of the things that can also improved 90-minute Anusara classes is there's a reason that the format is there and that what I've learned as a student in this journey, particularly over the month of taking other classes and other systems, is that system is actually one of the key points. That's one of the main reasons I'm going is to Mm -hmm. experience that continuity. So what I'd like to transition to speaking about before uh, we let you carry on with the rest of your day is the opening invocation for Anusara. And yeah. I'd, love, I'd love to learn, there's, there's a few things I'd like to talk about. So the, the first is, let's tell our listeners a little bit about what it is and what it means and where it came from about John's experience. And then secondly, um, how, if you can remember back, how you came to take ownership, personal ownership of it and, and actually learn it. Mm-hmm. Well, I okay. Well, let's start with how it came about. I guess the invocation. Well, it just basically means um, it's Om Namah Shivaya Gurave Satchidananda Murtaye Nishprapanchaya Santaya Niralambaya Tejase. And it, the first line is, I bow or I honor the goodness or that um, that light inside myself that is the true teacher. So that auspicious quality of who I am, I honor that as my teacher first and foremost. The second line is Satsidananda um, Murtaye, and it means Murtaye means to take form. So this essence inside takes the form of truth, Sat, 
consciousness, chit, and bliss, ananda. So already that's pretty rocking in terms of like who you are. <laughs> you know, that you're <laughs> this amazing auspicious person. That's your true teacher. Um, this essence inside you takes the form of truth, consciousness, and bliss, right? And then the next line um, uh, is, oh, no, So santaya means peace. And nisprapanchaya means that, um, that it's always present. It's never absent. So your essence of auspiciousness and all these other great things is never absent and it's full of peace. So even when you forget how fantastic you are, which we always do, mm. um, it's always there. So you're always ultimately going to remember that you're great. And then the last line, and, and you're peaceful. How about that? And then the mm-hmm. last line is, um, you know, your true nature is peaceful, right? The last line is, Niralambaya Tejase. So um, Niralambaya means it, like it exists without support, so meaning it's totally free. So your essence is complete freedom, and it shines with a, I love how John describes it, with a divine luster. That's what Tejas means. It's a lustrous quality. So basically at the beginning of every class, we're so giving ourselves that shout out of like, look how awesome you are. You're shiny. You're divine. You're free. You're auspicious. You're peaceful. Your truest essence is, tr- is um, truth, consciousness, and bliss. Like does it get any better than that? <laughs> and so that's, uh, you're giving yourself a total shout out and rem- you know, reminding yourself of your, your greatness. And so John um, actually got that chant. Um, he was going through some books while he was at the ashram with his guru, and he was going through books trying to find a, a uh, invocation that could, could really serve the, this new style of yoga that he created, which was Anasara Yoga. And he saw this chant, and he saw the translation. He was like, that's it. Oh my God, this is so the one. And it was only later that his mother reminded him that when like the very first yoga book she had ever given him when he was like 13 it was a it was like a Satchitananda book or something and the opening invocation in that book it had an opening invocation and and it was the same exact chant and so he, when he was little he used to chant that or he would repeat it all the time so it, like his mom reminded him, hey, I think you chose the same one you used to repeat hey. when you were 13. And it was just like, no way, oh my God, that's so weird. You know? So anyway, we have, I actually put out um, a CD in 2006 of the Anasara Invocation with a bunch of different melodies and different artists singing. Like we have Manorma, mm-hmm. who's my amazing friend and Sanskrit scholar who um, chants on it. And we have Krishna Das who chants on it. I do one of the chants as well. And um, even John Friend and the Kula, um, we recorded them doing it. So, but anyway, that that um, CD has in it a booklet, and there's actually a handwritten, not handwritten, but it's a story that John writes the story of how he came up with the invocation in that booklet. So that's kind of neat. It, that is really neat. And that CD isn't available on Amazon, but it is available through your website. Yeah, it'll be available through my website soon. We're just now building our store, but you can always um, use the form, the uh, the uh, email form on our site under contact, and you can request a CD, and we'll send it to you. Great. And how much is that? I think you it's eighteen. You know, off the top of your head, just let everybody know. 
yeah, the best dogs. deal you can get. And yeah, you know, and you, know, you can get it like, on Amazon and you can download it and all that. Um, but the Amazon version doesn't have the same booklet, I believe, that, that the one that I have has. Exactly. But the, this one has the booklet with the whole description and everything. Mm. Yeah. And so, and and it's top secret stories like that. No, not that they're a secret, but it's stories. <laughs> it's stories like this that you get answered in your in your webinar calls with Amy. So if you're interested in a little more details, that's, this is an example of that kind of stuff. I love that story. And so, what about as you really came to take on the invocation as your own? What was your experience? How did you actually learn it or come to it? Do you remember? Yeah, you know, I think that the first thing I wanted to do was understand the translation. So I ran it by both Douglas Brooks and also Manorma, and I asked them for their translations because, you know, any verse can be interpreted and translated in any number of ways. And so getting a, a, another sense of the translation um, was huge for me. The other thing is that I noticed that John would translate the invocation, he would explain what it meant um, over and over again to every new group that he taught. And I always took notes on that. And so what I realized is that, that John had a, a sort of evolving um, understanding and interpretation of the, of the chant. And so when I heard it from his experience, it really helped me because I'm so connected to John. It just felt like, oh, I get it. I get it. So like when I share to you what it means, it's personal. Like I can share it now from a really personal place because of hearing John do the same, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Definitely. The other thing is that um, people would always ask me to record myself singing the invocation. Like they'd come up to me with their little recorders. This was before iPhones and iPods. <laughs> we would have these little like mini tape recorders and stuff and um, mini disc recorders. And they would come, Amy, will you sing the invocation for us? And that was actually what gave me the idea to record the whole CD and, and put it out, um, was that people were always asking me. So that gave me a lot of ownership too, is that I had to sing it all these times to people. <laughs> so. Do you remember the first time that you sang it in front of your class? Gosh, you know, I don't have a clear memory of the very first time. I don't because we just sang it so much. It all is a big blur. <laughs> sure, it, you just kind of took it on. And yeah. what do you what do you think about now? You, it's repeated three times. What do you think about uh, giving our listeners the, the, a little sample, a little melody line, maybe of just the you know just one round through? Are you open to doing that? I'm open to it, and you know what? It can be repeated three times, or it can just be done once. You know, it's it's um, mantras are that way. Um, three times is kind of standard, but in the interest of time, sometimes one is fine. Well, but we'll I'm take three. We'll, we'll take three too. <laughs> Just want to oh start gosh. with an easy ass. So whatever works for you, and then um, we're we're going to wrap up our show after this, and we're going to have a second show uh, coming up with you where we're going to talk a little bit about um, some of the end results of the webinar, what's ahead for the next one, and and some of the things that you have coming up in the future. So uh, before you begin, I just want to thank you so much for your insights and your contribution to the yoga community. And I, I want to personally thank you for the impact you've had on getting me inspired to practice more and put myself back in just the getting students' mind. And, and thank you so much for your time. Oh, it's my pleasure, Meredith. You're awesome. I really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you. Well, why don't you... Uh, 
close out our show. And, and before you do that, I just want to remind our listeners, if you're looking for more information about this shows or other shows on the Personal Life Media Network, you can go to personallifemedia.com. If you're looking for the show notes to this page, you can go to livinggreenshow.com. And if you'd like to find more information about other shows, uh, last, uh, the show prior to this one, I interviewed MC Yogi, and he sampled two of his songs during the interview, which are great. Um, you can learn more about that at inspireeverybody.com. And I certainly hope uh, that that's what you're feeling every, every day and what you're feeling today from this interview. So Amy, thank you again so much. And why don't you take us out? Om, Om Namah Shivaya Gurave Satchidananda Murtaye Nishprapanchaya Shantaya Niralambaya Tejase Om Namah Shivaya Gurave Satchidananda Murtaye Nishprapanchaya Shantaya Niralambaya Tejase Om Namah Shivaya Gurave Satchidananda Murtaye Nishprapanchaya Shantaya Niralambaya Tejase Oh. Thank you so much, Amy. Really appreciate your time today. Um, that was beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. If you'd like to um, get a copy of that, remember that you can always visit Amy at amyapolity.com. And thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. My name is Meredith Medlin-Sassine, and I'll see you the next time that we get together. Thanks. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.